Now, we're in Jude. We have a reader here before Barbara comes to read for us. I just want to remind you that in Jude, we began it last week. In this whole book, it's a little different than other epistles that we find but uh, it all of the all of the uh, commands the instruction of what to do they all fall right at the end and there's five of them and we've got them on this our banner here it's remember keep help save and show last week we looked at remember but what we want to do is we want to listen to the whole book because it's very very short and um, and and we want to listen to it in different versions of the Bible. I'm preaching from the same one we always preach from, but I want us to hear it a little different each week so that we can think about it a little more. So, uh, Barbara, please read the book of Jude to us. The book of Jude, from a translation called The Message. I, Jude, am a slave to Jesus Christ and brother to James, writing to those loved by God the Father, called and kept safe by Jesus Christ. Relax. Everything's going to be all right. Rest. Everything's coming together. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. Dear friends, I've dropped everything to write you about this life of salvation we have in common. I have to write insisting, begging that you fight with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and cherish. What has happened is that some people have infiltrated our ranks. Our scripture warned us this would happen. Who beneath their pious skin are shameless scoundrels. Their design is to replace the sheer grace of our God with sheer license, which means doing away with Jesus Christ, our one and only master. I'm laying this out as clearly as I can, even though you once knew all this well enough and shouldn't need reminding. Here it is in brief. The master saved a people out of the land of Egypt. Later, he destroyed those who defected. And you know the story of the angels who didn't stick to their post, abandoning it for other, darker missions. But they are now chained and jailed in a black hole until the great judgment day. Sodom and Gomorrah, which went to sexual rack and ruin, along with the surrounding cities that acted just like them, are another example, burning and burning and never burning up. They still serve as a stock warning. This is exactly the same program of these latest infiltrators. Dirty sex, rule and rulers thrown out, glory dragged in the mud. The Archangel Michael, who went, to the de- with, who went to the mat with the devil as they fought over the body of Moses, wouldn't have dared level him with a blasphemous curse, but said simply, No, you don't. God will take care of you. But these people sneer at anything they can't understand, and by doing whatever they feel like doing, living by animal instinct only, they participate in their own destruction. I'm fed up with them. They've gone down Cain's road. They've been sucked into Balaam's error by greed. They're canceled out in Korah's rebellion. 
These people are warts on your love feasts as you worship and eat together. They're giving you a black eye, carousing shamelessly, grabbing anything that isn't nailed down. They're puffs of smoke pushed by gusts of wind. Late autumn trees stripped clean of leaf and fruit, doubly dead, pulled up by the roots. Wild ocean waves leaving nothing on the beach but the foam of their shame. Lost stars in outer space on their way to the black hole. Enoch, the seventh after Adam, prophesied of them. Look, the master comes with thousands of holy angels to bring judgment against them all, convicting each person of every defiling act of shameless sacrilege, of every dirty word they have spewed of their pious filth. These are the grumpers, the belly acres, grabbing for the biggest piece of the pie, talking big, saying anything they think will get them ahead. But remember, dear friends, that the apostles of our master Jesus Christ told us this would happen. In the last days, there will be people who don't take these things seriously anymore. They'll treat them like a joke and make a religion of their own whims and lusts. These are the ones who split the churches, thinking only of themselves. There's nothing to them, no sign of the Spirit. But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in this Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our Master Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. The sin itself stinks to high heaven. And now, to him who can keep you on your feet, standing tall in his bright presence, fresh and celebrating, to our one God, our only Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Master, be glory, majesty, strength, and rule before all time, and now, and to the end of all time. Yes. Amen. Amen. When we look at verse 21... If you, have, if you have your Bible open, you can look at verse 21 there. We see the, the second command that he gives. And in this version he says, keep yourselves. That's, that's where we have the word keep there. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now it's really interesting that, he, that that would be the command. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Because if you look back up at verse 1 says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. And here we have the, the idea that God calls us to himself. He's the one who brings us to himself, and he keeps us. And then if you look at the end of the book, so you get down to verse 24, 
It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. So, so the, ver, the, the book begins with God uh, calling us to himself and keeping us, saying he, he's the one that keeps us. It ends with God is, is the one who's able to keep us. But there, in, when he's, he, he's uh, talking to us about what's our response to this false teaching that's distorting the grace of God? Well, part of our response is to recognize that there's some responsibility that we bear to keep ourselves walking in the love of God and experiencing the love of God as we ought. We bear some responsibility in our experience of that love. And then when you look at verse 20 and 21 uh, surrounding that command, keep yourselves in the love of God, you'll find that there are three phrases that give us three responsibilities that every Christian must fulfill. And these three responsibilities contribute to keeping ourselves in the love of God. Let me read for you again, beginning at verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at that last week. 18. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Three responsibilities there that every Christian must fulfill if we're to contribute to keeping ourselves in the experience of the love of God. And the first one we see is in verse 20, and that is, I'm going to say it this way, is that we must stay with other believers in the Word of God. Not just stay in the Word of God, but stay with other believers in the Word of God. And it's not just stay with other believers... It stay with other believers in the word of God. You see there in verse 20? But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. He's saying building yourselves. He's talking to us as a group. He says building yourselves up in the most holy faith. That building yourselves, like I just mentioned, is, is a plural. It's, um, it's, he's talking to all of us that we stay together in this effort of building ourselves up in the faith. This is different than the false teachers. Look at verse 19. It is these who cause divisions. And what you're going to see is everything he's telling us, everything that he's telling us to do and, and to be is in contrast to the false teachers. The false teachers are not this. So here he's saying we've got to keep ourselves together in the word of God but, and it's in contrast to the false teachers who create divisions. It's these who cause divisions. Unity does not go along with false teaching, with, false, with the false gospels. And then he says... In verse 20, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. You see, now he's, he's, he's 
he's emphasizing again where he began up in verse 3. Look at verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. See, when he's talking about the word faith here, he's not referring to our believing of it or our trusting. He's not talking about our experiential faith. He's talking about the content of our faith, what it is we're believing, the way it's been laid out for us, the truths uh, that, we, that we believe. That's called our faith. And in verse 3, he's saying, look at this. This faith was once for all delivered to the saints. It's once for all delivered to us. It doesn't change. It doesn't need to be changed. There it is. That's what he's referring to back in verse 20. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. That faith. That faith has come to us. And it's come to us through the apostles. And it's, it's been written down. They wrote it down. They and a few, few special others wrote, wrote it down. And we've got it. So he's saying, build yourselves up together in that. This also is different than, than the false teachers. Look at verse 8. Now, this is referring to the false ones. It says, Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, and then it goes on to talk about them. See, these guys, what was handed to them, it came from Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, and it arrives at our doorstep like this. They're not going to rely just on this. They've got to have their dreams, too. So now they're going to get supposed revelation through their dreams and they're going to speak from that. They're relying on input that's coming to them that is not from the scriptures. And that's one reason why they go astray. Why, that's why their message is, is a perversion of the grace of God. But we, Jude is saying, we've, we had the apostles. We know what they've taught us. They've given it to us. That's what we rely on, is the apostles' teaching. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we see the early church. Um, it says, it gives us a description of what they were doing. Now, this is when they were still in Jerusalem. They hadn't spread out yet. It says, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Brand new church. And it says then, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And it goes on and mentions a couple other things, but they've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. Amen? That's what we're supposed to do. And in verse 17, you see Jude mentions the apostles. He's not an apostle. Um, uh, but he, he was pretty special, and God, God, God used him. But, but, but he's acknowledging. Says, "There's the apostles, and they've given us, they've given us this message." He is, in essence, saying, "Any everything that I'm saying is consistent with what the apostles said. It's all this is all one message." And in those days, it was all the the New Testament was taking shape and taking form, but now it's in form, and we have it. It's in this book. If you ever heard, if you ever wondered, have you ever wanted God to speak to you? And one guy said, "You ever want God to speak audibly to you? Well, then read the Bible out loud." <laughs> 
God can certainly lead us and direct us and, and work in our lives in, in, in different ways. But the, when we, when we want to know about our faith, when we want to grow, when we want to be built up, okay, we go here. We go here. And we do it with other people. That's the interesting thing about what Jude is saying. Yes, he would never disagree with the idea of, hey, I want to read the Bible every day on my own. Maybe before I go to work, I want to read the Bible. Or when I get home, I want to, before I go to bed, I want to read, spend some time listening for God in his word. Awesome, Jude would say. That's great. But he's saying here, you do it together with other people. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. How do you do that? Well, we're doing it right now. <laughs> we're all together and we're listening uh, to his word being taught. So Sunday mornings are crucial and our All of Life Discipleship Institute, you get some other, a different setting where you can, you can study the word together. Certainly our life groups, if you're not in a life group, you want to be there because at some point in the life group experience, you're, you're, you're talking about the word of God. And you're, you're, you're able to talk about it together. I think our women, of our women, they have the ladies' Bible study. And our men, we've got men's fraternity. Have you ever noticed that just about all of the regular activities that we do here has something to do with the Bible? Have you ever noticed that? That's not an accident. I don't know about the men's game night. Maybe, I don't know if you have Bible trivia or something. I, I'm not sure. But that's... Uh, all of our, those regular meat and potato ones, it's all with the Bible. Our kids' programs, the Bible's open. It's because that's where, that's where God speaks to us. That's how he builds us up. And when we're together, we want that to be happening together. Sometimes when we're in our uh, life group and we're talking about some passage of Scripture, somebody else in there, invariably, somebody else in our life group says something that I haven't, I haven't noticed before about what's in Scripture. Or it's a way that Scripture is, can apply to my life that I hadn't thought of. God doesn't give everybody... No, let me say it this way. God doesn't give any one person everything. We need each other. That's His design. So we get together. This picture here is the word build. You see again in verse 20. But you beloved building, building yourselves up. Rarely is a building project under, undertaken with just one person. We work together and we build. And so the question is, are you, are you in the word? Amen? Maybe, maybe this can happen. It's happened to me. Maybe you've got your regular Bible reading program, but at the moment, right now, you've kind of slipped up and you're kind of getting out of the habit. You've, you've let several days go by and you're being, maybe it's hit or miss. Well, maybe this is the Lord reminding you. That, no, get in the Word. Let's re-up. Re Make it consistent. Or maybe then he's saying, but, but that's good, but what about with others? Make sure you're with others, studying the Bible together. Are you in the Word? Are you in it with other Christians? This isn't a new thing. 
You've heard it before, I've heard it before, but isn't it interesting that when Jude is saying, look, look, God has called you to himself and he's keeping you, but you, you don't just sit back passive. You, you have, you, there's something that you have to do to just keep yourself walking along in the, in the, in the love of God. And the first thing he mentions is keep, your, keep in the Bible with your brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. Now the second responsibility he mentions is, has to do with prayer. And I'm going to say it this way, is pray in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Look again at verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, and, secondly now, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. And I, got, I, ha, I have to take a tangent here, but we talk about the means of grace here, that, that we are supposed to avail ourselves of the means of grace, that that's how God pours grace into our lives. And the, very, the first two means of grace are the word of God and prayer, and here they are mentioned. These are, these are just primary, primary avenues for the Spirit to pour grace into our lives. And here it says, pray. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Very, very interesting that it mentions the Holy Spirit because he is not associated with the, with the false teachers. Look again at verse 19. Again, there's a contrast. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So these people are out there following their own desires, justifying it, Preaching a message that, that just uh, makes it sound like you can have forgiveness from God, but keep on living the way you're living. And they've distorted grace. And what, what Job, Jude is saying is we've got to rediscover grace. And, then, and he's saying, these people, there's no sign of the Spirit. Because where the Spirit is, there's change of life. But he's saying, for you now... The Spirit is in you, so keep yourself in the love of God. Pray, and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, some people have said, well, praying in the Spirit, that's a reference to speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. Well, it's very simply cannot be, for this is a command that's given to everyone, and tongues is a gift that only a few have. It's a, it's a gift. No one has all the gifts. So this, this, this categorically is not a reference to speaking in tongues. So it's, not, it's also not the only place that mentions praying in the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6, where he gets through that whole section about the spiritual armor and our wrestling against the, the unseen realm, then he ends it with this. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So he's saying, in this wrestling that we do in this life, when the difficulties come at us, and if at times, not all the time, but at times the difficulties are amplified by some unseen entity, he's saying we've got to pray, and we have to pray in the Spirit, with the Spirit's help, his leading and his power. And then he goes on, he says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, Making supplication, that means praying for, all the saints. So here he is, he's saying, he's saying we pray, leaning on the Holy Spirit for, for, for help and leading in, as we pray. And we don't just pray for ourselves, but we pray for each other. And we keep alert 
We keep alert by praying. Amen? I don't know if I had to do a daylight savings time or what, but I woke up and when I looked at my phone, it, there were numbers on it that I'm not used to seeing when I'm, when I'm waking up. I mean, there were like these really low numbers. Like the first one was a three, and I'm thinking, what am I doing awake? So, you know, I tried to go to sleep, but when I'm awake like that, then I start praying. Amen? And then you begin praying, not just for yourself, but you begin to think of others. And then you lean on the Spirit. You say, Lord, who do you want me to pray for? And you begin to pray for those people that God brings to mind. We keep alert by praying in the Spirit. Prayer keeps us alert. We ask. God answers. We pray for one another. But there's another aspect of praying in the this, in this Spirit that I want to mention. We, we remember that Scripture teaches us that the Spirit of God intercedes for us at times. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Have you ever been so uh, exercised over something, so, so concerned about someone or some situation? It's usually some person. Um, and then, and you just don't know what to pray. Has that ever happened to anybody? Yeah. You're just, you're just not... Sure, you have no confidence. Sometimes, you see, when we're leaning on the Spirit's guidance as we pray, one of the things he does is he brings us to the point where we know what we're supposed to pray for, and then we hang on to that, and we ask for that, and we pray for that until God answers. But there are some times where you just don't know. And what I've done is I take this verse, these verses, Romans 8, 26 and 27, and I say, Spirit of God, intercede for me. Take this. You've heard what, I, what I'm praying about. Take it now and just pray. Because it says, he'll pray, he pray according to the will of God. Will you, will you turn this all into prayer according to the will of God? And then I stop talking. And I just wait for, I wait for a little while. And then I say, thank you, Lord. You've, the Spirit has interceded. And when I'm doing this in faith, the burden lifts. Amen? The burden lifts because I know that the Holy Spirit has just interceded for what's on my heart. According to the will of God, I can trust. I don't know what he said, but I can trust. And often he leads, in, as you continue day after day to pray about that thing, he leads you on until you know what to pray for. Remember the pattern, the basic pattern in prayer. The basic pattern. doesn't. We have a triune God, so sometimes we can get all kind of confused about this. But the basic pattern in prayer is, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, by the Spirit. Meaning by the help, the energy, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the basic pattern. The Spirit gives us the energy to pray. He leads us. 
in which way to pray, and when we need it, he intercedes for us. Just one more thing I want to say. Again, this has to do with being together. So whenever we have a fresh encounter, be there. Because when we're all together and we're praying and, and we design the fresh encounter so there's, there's, it's not choreographed that much so that we give the Spirit a chance to lead us as we're, as we're praying. You can learn how to pray on your own by coming to fresh encounters and, and learning together. We learn together and that will, that will help you. So three responsibilities. Stay with other believers in the word of God. Pray in dependence on on the Holy Spirit. And lastly, plan and work with his return in mind. Look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. And then here comes the third piece. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. That leads to eternal life. This is a reference to Jesus Christ coming back. Wait for Christ. He's coming back. Keep an eye on the fact that Christ is coming back. Work and make your plans, yes. But all with an eye to the fact that Jesus is coming back. Amen? This is, again, is in contrast with the false teachers. Look at verse 19 again. It is these who cause divisions. Worldly people. Worldly people have no eye to eternity. They have no, everything in the world, that's all they've got. That's where their hope is. That's where their love is. They have nothing that goes beyond this world. That's worldly people. He says, that's what they are. Look at their life. You can see it. But that's not us. Keep yourself in the love of God. Remember that Jesus Christ is coming back. And remember what he's going to do when he gets here. We do live with a tension in our hearts, though. Any of you know this song? Oh, in West Virginia we sang it. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. This goes better with a a guitar and a banjo. (laughs) The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Is that true? No, it's not. It's not true if it's meant to be the whole picture. It is true. Amen? But it's only half true. That's the problem. Listen to this other one. Listen to this. You don't need a banjo for this one. You need the organ and the piano. This is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand the wonders wrought. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. Is that true? Half? (laughs) We got to put them together. This is the tension that we feel in our lives, you see is that this is my father's world and this is where he's given me work to do and he wants me to plan. 
He's given us work to do here. We're to commit our plans to him and work for his glory. We are to invest in this world, make it a better place. But all the while that we do that, we would be fools to do it with no view of Christ's return. With no per- view of permanent world justice, of a renewed world, of our own resurrection, of the experience of what the Bible calls the new heavens and the new earth. It says here in verse 21, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Meaning we're waiting for him to come back to usher in the consummation of what he's begun. What he began in eternity past in his mind. What he, what he accomplished, the cornerstone of it all there at the cross. And now when he comes back, he's going he's gonna to bring it all to completion. But we, we um, uh, you, you see, when he comes back, the complication of sin will be gone and the consummation will be present. So we plan and we work with his return in mind. We don't plan and work without his return in mind. That's worldliness. Oh my, I've run out of time. I wanted to tell you one grandson story. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm sorry, guys, for communion. I'm sorry. Yesterday, uh, the reason my wife's not here today, she's bringing my daughter and, and, and her little grandson to the airport. She was up for a little bit ways. So he's three months old. So yesterday morning, me and my little grandson had a quiet time together. So we were sitting there, and, and I got the Psalter out, and I turned, and it was Psalm 63. And he's like, you know, he's semi-cute. And, uh, but he's like, he settles down as I read scripture. He settles down and li- looks at me and listens. And I read to him, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. How do we live with this tension? This is how we do it. We seek the Lord's face. Amen? You see, that's what David is saying. David was investing in the world. He's a king. David, David is highly invested in his work. He's planning. He's working. He's, he's working for good there in Israel. But all along, his heart is, I want to see God. Oh, Lord, I long for you. I, I want to I be with you. And so that's how you live in the tension. That while you're, while you're serving him, see, if your heart is such that you're gonna, you're gonna, you want his face, then he will animate you in your work for now. And then when it's your time to leave, it'll be fine because that's what you wanted all along was to see his face. Amen? And, if he, and then you're wanting, as you're working, you're, you're thinking, Lord, come. Come. Bring it all to consummation. And so the question at this point brings out to us is what are you longing for? And I would suggest that there's no better place than this table 
to renew that in your own heart. Brothers and sisters, this world grabs our attention right and left. It is so easy for us to get our affections placed on things that they shouldn't be on. It's so easy for us to just forget the face of God. And the answer isn't to leave our work and our plans. The answer is just to get our heart back on God and saying, that's who, that's who I long for. And he straightens everything out after that. At this table where we remember his death for us, let's also reconsecrate ourselves to seeking him above all. Let's pray. Father, we love and praise you and, and give you thanks. And we ask, O oh Lord, your forgiveness for getting our affections too much in the wrong place, for forgetting to long for your face more than anything. Revive us, renew us in that, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.